Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join me for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take my King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. Now, we're going to get into... Hebrews chapter number 9 today, and we'll begin in verse 16 and share some thoughts with you as we read down several verses. And uh, I tell you, I've enjoyed Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter 9 emphasizes the blood over and over again. The blood, without the shedding of blood, is no remission. Eternal redemption for us. How? For if the blood, it says, neither by the blood, it says, with his own blood. All these different phrases about the blood. You can't separate salvation from the blood. The New Testament was signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood. And thank God for that emphasis. By the way, I'm glad I have a Bible that doesn't try to take the blood out of it. That's right. I'm glad I have a Bible that still says that word, blood, throughout this book. Thank God for that. I'm glad that we have a Bible that does not uh, de-emphasize the blood, but rather emphasizes the blood. I'm glad my Bible is still a Bible that reads just like God intended it to be read. Now, you say, why do you say that? Well, uh, because, here's why, there's a movement, there's a trend, and it's not new. It's, compromisers have been around since uh, uh, Cain and Abel. But uh, it's it's trendy today for these uh, fellows that were trained in uh, good Bible-believing colleges and have a good Bible-believing parents and took a good Bible-believing church, and now they read after those who don't know their Bible. And, and it's sad, really, but all they do is question. They, uh, you know, Daddy might have believed it, but I don't believe it. Daddy wasn't as smart as so-and-so here on my Bible software program, and they're selling out their book, and they don't understand the fact that if you don't have an authoritative word, then you don't have an authoritative voice. If you don't have a perfect Bible, if you can cast doubt on this word, why would anybody in their right mind come listen to you? I mean, honestly, it's like a TED Talk. It's like a uh, motivational speech. It's like a self-help life uh, self-help life coach giving a little, uh, here's 10 principles for you to make it through this week without being overly depressed. Now, God bless your heart. Hey, that's not what we need. We need the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. It's being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. How? By the Word of God, all scriptures by inspiration of God. It's an inspired book, a living book, a breathing book, and it's preserved for us, and that inspiration is preserved with it. Thank God for a book that's perfect. If God isn't big enough to keep a perfect Bible here on this planet, how is he big enough to keep you from going to hell? All right, Hebrews chapter number 9. Here we go. Let's begin verse 16. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So here we find this word, testament, is used. And it's sort of the same word as a will, a living will and testament. You've heard that phrase before. Uh, a will is not of force, right, until who, uh, the, who owns the will, the man who wrote the will, whose will it is, until he passes away. The will only becomes legally effective upon the death of the one who made the will, or we could say the testator. Of course, uh, Jesus, is he did exactly that. You read your Bible. 
Bible, and we know it all culminates here at Calvary. Jesus came in, and now our Bible will say New Testament beginning with the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but that's not the beginning of the New Testament. The New Testament did not go into effect until after Calvary. Jesus shed his blood to usher in that New Testament. The writer alludes back to the inauguration of the first covenant as we read here in verse number 16, 17, and then 18. It says, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. So it shows that death came to usher in the testament, that blood was shed to escort in that first testament. And the same thing's true with the New Testament or the second testament. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. It wasn't enough just for Jesus to come and live a perfect life. He had to die. He did. He came to die. Born to die upon Calvary, born my sins to forgive. That's why he came. He came to die and bring in this New Testament. All right. The writer in verse number 19 through 21, let's look at it. It says, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. The writer is presenting the details from Exodus 24. Now, we could turn back there and read it, but for sake of time, we won't. Exodus 24, Moses dedicates and inaugurates the first covenant, if you will, that first testament. How? By sprinkling of blood. Now, ancient custom often required a covenant be sealed by the sprinkling of blood upon the document, and that was a sign of a solemnity of those who are entering into that covenant. So the Bible talks about how that first covenant was brought in with the blood of what? Blood of bulls and the blood of goats, and that blood was sprinkled upon the book in front of all the people, and that in acted, if you will, put force or strength into that first testament. That second testament, which is a better covenant, a better way, a new and living way, was given force or strength by the shedding of blood, not of a bull, not the blood of a goat, not the blood of a sheep, but the blood of the very Lamb of God, Jesus himself. God died for man, shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. And as his blood was shed, it was like that sprinkling of blood upon the book. It was that entering in of that solemn uh, enacting of that new Testament. And thank God it ushered in a new and living way. We traded out law for grace. We traded out condemnation for salvation. Thank God no longer is man just groping at shadow, but now the light of the world has entered in, and the New Testament has been enacted. Verse 22 is a very familiar verse, and I quote this verse often while I preach, especially a salvation message. And it's, it's here's what it says. In almost all things are by the law purged with what? Blood. Without shedding of blood, is no remission. That word remission means atonement. That word remission means reconciliation. That word remission means propitiation. It means payment. So without the shedding of blood, sin is not paid for. Without the shedding of blood, sin is not atoned for. Without the shedding of blood, sin cannot be uh, cannot be covered. It cannot be wiped away, washed away, cleansed. It takes blood. Now, it says without shedding blood is no remission. That means there's no way, it's impossible, utterly uh, unavailable to have your sins forgiven by baptism or by good works or by church membership or by turning over a new leaf or by living a moral life or by being a good person or by not smoking and not drinking and not cussing and not whatever. There's nothing you can do that can wipe sin away, wash sin away, do away with that stigma, stain, or payment due for sin. 
unless blood is shed. It has to be shed. Blood is shed to atone for sin. Throughout the Bible, that principle, that precept is put into practice. That precedent is set in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis as the skins are put upon Adam and Eve. And the animal who provided the skin had to die and his blood was shed there in the soil of that fallen paradise of Eden. And ever since that day, blood has had to be shed for the why the, the wages of sin is death, and it requires death to pay for sin. So blood, so without the shedding of blood is no remission, but thank God we can twist it and say with the shedding of blood there is remission. Now, in the Old Testament, that remission was temporal. They had to offer those sacrifices over and over and over again. Thousands of animals a day, millions of animals a year, sacrificed, died, uh, bled out upon altars. And they had to do it over and over again. Why? Because with those sacrifices, there was still a remembrance of sin. But Jesus came and shed different blood superior blood, better blood, if you will. And as Jesus shed his blood, our sin could be remitted, our sin could be forgiven, our sin was paid for or atoned for, not temporally, but thank God eternally. Why? The blood of animals is temporal blood, yields a temporal atonement. The blood of Christ is eternal blood and thus yields an eternal atonement. So we find that New Testament is ushered in not because you turn from Malachi to Matthew. That New Testament is not ushered in because you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The New Testament is enacted at Calvary as Jesus sheds his blood on the cross. I guess we could say it began to unravel or unfold in the Garden of Gethsemane as the beads of blood fell from his brow into the soil of the garden. But the New Testament is not in effect until the death of the testator. And Jesus Jesus died, ushering in the New Testament. That's why as you read the Gospels, there's a lot of Old Testament truth. There's a lot of Old Testament carryover in the opening of the Gospels. Why? Because Jesus coming is coming and preaching to Jews who believe and practice the Old Testament. And Jesus came to establish that kingdom. But thank God for us, the Jews rejected their king, their Messiah. They said, no, thank you, sir. And they pushed him away. Utterly, they cast him off. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And they turned their faces from him. And when they turned from him, thank God he looked upon us Gentiles and he opened the way for us, and thank God for Calvary. Jesus went there, suffered, and bled, and died, that we might be grafted in, that we might be part of the family, that we might have a, a, a stock or standing in the uh, place uh, in the uh, family of God, have a place for us preserved in heaven. Thank God for the New Testament, a new and living way. Well, join us next broadcast. We'll continue here in Hebrews 9. Until then, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.